0: Today on CityCast Madison. Don't call us a flyover state. We're a flyway state. Wisconsin's a destination for loads of migratory birds. And every blue moon, a rare bird finds a welcoming habitat in our marshy lands. That's what happened with the recent sighting of the Roseate Spoonbill, which used to frequent the state almost 200 years ago and returned last month with great fanfare. So we had to talk to our favorite birder, Dexter Patterson, AKA the Wisco Birder and co-founder of the BIPOC Birding Club of Wisconsin. It's Monday, August 28th. I'm Bianca Martin and here's what Madison's talking about. Hey, Dex. What's up, Bianca? I am kind of pretty stoked to talk to you about some crazy bird news.
1: <laughs> hey, well, you you got the right guy. You know, if you want to talk about some crazy bird news, you know, you know you got the right guy on today.
0: You've got the bird word. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had some big bird news since we last spoke. A few weeks ago, there was a surprise sighting of the roseate spoonbill yes and i i just gotta know like i immediately thought of you and i want to know like what went through your mind when you first heard about this rare bird up in wisconsin
1: yeah the first thing i that happened to me is i was like no right like you know like you see like these reports come through There's this tool called eBird and they have these rare bird alerts that go out every day. Oh. And I get, yeah, I get these alerts and I see Rosie at Spoonbill, but the first time it was reported, it was reported on Cat Island, which is actually private land. So nobody could actually go see it. But then a few days later, I get a message from our Milwaukee club leader, Rita Flores Wiskowski, and she's like, Dex. The Rosiest Spoonbill is at Ken Yours in Green Bay. And I was like, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then I had like this immediate flashback because last fall, Kristen Cooper, I use the Black Brother from Central Park that got targeted for racism and some stuff. And, and he organized the Black Brother's retreat last fall at Little St. Simon's Island off the coast of Georgia where he kind of just got all these Black birders from all over the country together in one place so we can kind of game plan what the movement for Black Birders Week looks like, just could connect us all and start to create this community. And I remember as I'm researching the island, that was the bird that I wanted to see. Like I was like, if I go down there and I see one bird, I hope it's the roseate spoonbill because it is so beautiful. It's so unique, right? You just you see this bird, and you're like, what? This exists? It's pretty wild looking. You're like, this is real? Like, this is a bird? Like, like, and, and it just, it does. It does. And it's so beautiful. I I ended up seeing, like, 30. And I'm talking about freak out? I freaked out. I made a video when I first saw it, and I was, like, freaking out? I couldn't, like, I was shaking I was like freaking out so bad.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: But to to find out that one was in Wisconsin, like I can't I can't express to you how fast I got in my car and and, and <laughs> got to to Green Bay. You know, uh, not telling anybody that I sped or anything on the way up, but I got there in good time. <laughs> I'll just say that.
0: Okay. Well, are bird chasers like the not so new like storm chasers? <laughs> like,
1: I can't speak for everybody. I chase some birds, right? Like I'll, the the birds I'll chase are the ones where, in the case of this one, this was the first time that a rosiest spoonbill was reported in our state in 178 years. So these are opportunities where I'm like, okay, I may never see another rosiest spoonbill in my lifetime in the state of Wisconsin. That's a bird I'ma chase, right? Like yeah. that's a bird I'ma chase.
0: What was it doing here?
1: anomalies happen like these vagrant birds pop up in places every once in a blue moon and it just happens right like it could be a storm that knocks them off track it, um, a lot of time they're juvenile birds so they're still trying to figure some things out and maybe they got lost along the way and then got lost even more right so what i would tell people is don't freak out because this is not a pattern mm. you know now now if i see a pattern and next year we see some more and next year we see some more and next year more, and next, right Then I'm gonna start saying, okay, something is happening to their normal habitat that's pushing them this far north. Now we have a problem, right? But if you look back into the history of the state of Wisconsin, when I talk about 178 years ago, even before that, there was documentation that these birds lived in our state. So this is kind of weird to the to the part of like what made them leave and. Somehow, this one returned, and honestly, there was, I think, about a week or so ago, another one popped up in Jefferson County, which made it number two. So we've had two rosiest Spoonbills in the state of Wisconsin over the last...
0: Oh, I didn't even hear about the second one.
1: Oh, yeah, so you're getting the inside oh, scoop. You're getting the inside right. scoop from, from your bird <laughs> man.
0: Well, it's wild, because looking at it, it's it's pink. It's this beautiful... It's got this pink on it, I'm just thinking... It reminds me of a flamingo or something, but it sounds like also this this roseate spoonbill up, up in the Green Bear area, it found some really like welcoming habitat.
1: Yeah, so they are very social birds, right? So when you see them, they're typically in large groups, but they, they always hang out with like heron species, like great egrets, great blue herons. So anytime they come up and they see those type of birds, they're like, hey, those are my people. Right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's my crew. <laughs> yeah, we have tons of, of great egrets up here. We have tons of great blue herons. So that when they see these wetland habitats, when they see these other birds that they're used to hanging out with in the Florida area, they're like, OK, I can do this, right? Like, like So it's not like there's not food for them. It's not like the habitat doesn't exist for them. It's summertime. They're going to do great, right? They're going to do fine. But eventually, right, that weather is going to change on them, and, and we're hoping that these birds that that aren't here on a regular basis understand, hey, you got to get up out of here in the next month or so before the weather takes a really bad turn for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they have issues that they got to deal with beyond just regular survival.
0: Yeah. So that's interesting. So if we see like this continuing to be become a pattern, then we're, you know, we'll start asking questions. But right now it's just like a fun rare bird sighting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I tell people just enjoy it, you know, try to be respectful you know, you're not going to harm the bird by walking near it, but what you may do is flush it and scare it away. And you got people from all over the state driving to see this bird. and, And I will always say, I would hate to be that person, right? That scares it away so nobody else can see it. So what I would tell people is just, you know, respect the bird, also respect your fellow bird nerds and, and give that bird some space So it can stay comfortable and you're not scaring it off for the next person to enjoy.
0: That's fair. Well, so it's I wanted to ask about like, what are some of Wisconsin's other like rarest bird species, you know, play, you know, birds that folks can stake their pie in the sky sightings on maybe starting closer to us um, and then farther away.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild. So we had the rosiest spoonbill, but we also had some other Florida birds up here this summer. We had uh, the swallowtail kite, which is an incredible, incredible, just they're this large white bird with a black tail, and wingtips, and they have this distinct forked tail.
0: How big are they?
1: They're pretty big, right? And when you see them, they're just, they are striking looking. And then we also had a Mississippi kite, so, yeah, two rare kite species up here around the same time as the Rosia spoonbill showed up. And every year in Wisconsin, I tell people, Wisconsin is one of the best places to bird. During the spring migration, we had the sixth highest bird count come through our state in the whole country. Right. So if you think about how significant that is, Wisconsin is a flyway. Wisconsin is a state that birds are gonna stop through. They're gonna hang out for a few weeks as they're making their way to their nesting grounds in either Northern Wisconsin, a lot are going into Canada. But now, as people can start to think about summer wrapping up, the birds are thinking about coming back as well. So you're starting to see birds from the North, from Canada area, start to make their way back through. So we're gonna be starting to see the fall migration actually starting to kick off here in this next week or two, you're going to start to see a lot of these birds that pass through start to come back as they make their way back for their wintering grounds over these next couple months.
0: So we're like right on the path.
1: Yeah, we're right here. And and like I said, these next few weeks, the end of August, you start to see a lot of birds start to come back through. You'll see the shorebirds coming back through as they start their migration. And you'll start to see the little warblers and the songbirds start to come back through. And it's going to be hard. We call them little brown birds because during the fall migration, they don't have these bright colors like they do in the spring because they're not mating anymore or they're young birds. And so they look different.
0: Interesting.
1: And it's a lot harder for people to identify them.
0: Okay. So what's the trickety tricks? How do we...
1: <laughs> the trickity trick for the LBBs is you just got to be patient. You just got to be patient. Um, I always tell people, sometimes you might have the idea when you get home, where you can break out a field guide or you can ask some fellow bird nerds some questions. But just be patient with yourself and and understand, hey, a lot of people, even seasoned birders, people that have been doing it for a while, struggle with bird IVs in the fall.
0: Okay, so... Do you, do you struggle even with the all the birding experience you have? 100%.
1: Yeah. 100%. And I always that's why I always tell people one bird, one call at a time. Like just be patient. There's always going to be something to learn.
0: Oh, that's a good rule. One bird, one call at a time. Some of us out here, I'm not talking about myself because I am a fall queen. I am a fall queen. But a lot of people are telling me they don't want fall to, to start yet and they still want to live in these summer moments. I've been watching your, you know, your Instagram, you know, all the time, seeing you've been out and about this summer. And I want to know, like, some of this highlights um, from your adventures over, you know, recently, what birds you've seen around here.
1: Yeah, I would say... One of my favorite places to go in the summer is Horicon Marsh. It's not too far away. It's in Dodge County, so I tell people it's well worth the drive. But Horicon Marsh is the largest freshwater cattail marsh in America. So it's a protected area. It's protected by the National Park Service, but it's historic in that nature. Like there's there's historical markers. That's how important this this place is, and we have some in. Incredible birds up there. I mean, we have up there, you can see the endangered whooping cranes, you can see terns, you can see black neck stilts, you can see a wide variety of waterfowl like common gallinules. You can see stuff that you cannot see in the summer because summer can be a little quiet in regards to birding because they're having babies, they're nesting and these type of things, or they go further north, right? So When you're in South Central Wisconsin, like we are, you can drive 35 minutes and into a place like Horicon Marsh and just see endless amounts of birds. I mean, I talk about, I could have a 30 species day here in Madison and I could go to Horicon and have 60 plus, right? So it, it is that different in regards to what you can see. So I would say, Hey, if you're looking for an exciting place to check out, still late summer, you can still get up there. Uh, it is beautiful. I'd say go check out Warcomar.
0: I also love that. I feel like you're just like really high level. You're like, just like a normal day seeing thirty species here. Like that sounds like a lot. And then but like double it in this marsh. Yeah. Uh, well, I also saw. I'm glad that you brought up the whoop the whooping crane because you know I I actually I grew up volunteering at the Crane Foundation and I just. God, I love them, and I saw that you saw some whooping cranes in the wild, and that you know we see see our sandhills all the time, but yeah, the whooping crane that's that's pretty special, right?
1: Yeah, the the whooping crane it is still an endangered species, um, so we we are lucky to have them have some breeding pairs across the state. Unfortunately, the breeding pair at Horicon lost their cult this year, which was really sad. Uh, everybody was kind of. Really excited about that baby, but we've had some other nesting pairs that that are being successful throughout the state. Wisconsin as a whole has been an incredible success story for cranes in general. I love that you brought up the Inter- International Crane Foundation and, and the folks over at Saving Cranes, what they're doing is absolutely incredible. So definitely wanna give them a shout out. You can go there and see all the cranes of the world in one place and that is mind blowing too. To, to see all those crane species but at one point bianca the sandhill crane was endangered and we almost lost them because people were over them and you know they were they're called the sirloin of the sky by hunters and and people like that and
0: ew sorry if you someone calls them that i've, I've never heard of that
1: yeah they over them so bad that at one point um aldo leopold major, major conservationist back in the day. He he wrote about it and his land ethic and talked about basically just saying, we don't deserve these cranes. Uh, the way that we wiped them out about Wisconsin brought them back. And now we have a very, very healthy crane population. Last fall was pretty remarkable. In November, I was up at the Aldo Leopold Nature Center in and, and that area up there at the Aldo Leopold shack Mm -hmm. and we actually got the watch. It was over 15,000 sandhill cranes come in and roost at night. Talk about a sight, just seeing all these majestic birds flying in by the hundreds and hundreds and thousands. Like, it was just like, what is happening here? There were whooping cranes mixed in, but yeah, over 15,000 of them coming in um, to roost at night and it was just mind blowing to see.
0: Oh my goodness. I also feel embarrassed right now because I don't know what roost means.
1: That just means they're coming in. They roost together, like in groups. That just means they're going to come gather and go to sleep.
0: Dexter, I love talking to you. Uh, (laughs) I just want to say that. You are incredible. Um, I want to ask, what's on the docket for the BIPOC Birding Club this fall?
1: We have a ton of things going on. I always tell people, go to BIPOCbirdingclub.org. And you can see what we have going on as far as events, uh, for the fall, but we have in September, we have our Swift Night Out, which is one of our favorite events. We actually collab with the Feminist Bird Club of Madison, as well as Madison Audubon this year. Last year, we had over almost 150 people show up to our Swift Night Out. And what it is, is I don't know if you ever heard of chimney swifts, but they have this amazing display that they do uh, when they come in and roost at night by the hundreds where they basically swarm together and like this spiraling effect and like fly down into a chimney really fast before they go to sleep at night. Like a bat? Yeah, it's, it's similar to that, right? The, the concept is the same, but you watch these chimney swifts basically turn into like a bird tornado and fly down into a chimney at the end of the night. And like, we're gathered in this huge crowd of people and we have blankets out and we'll have food trucks and stuff this year. And we just watch it like it's a fireworks d- display or something like it's so cool. And as they start going in, we're like, go, 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 like getting all excited. Like it was pretty cool. So the uh, last year, yeah, we did something really cool as we had uh, some baby chimney swifts that the, the Humane Society was actually rehabbing and at our event last year, they released them to with all the other chimney swifts because they were ready to be released back into the wild, so all of our people that showed up got to see these these beautiful little birds up close and then see them released back into the wild. I just it was so heartwarming to kind of see that that effort come to fruition.
0: What special things you guys are up to, my heart,
1: yep. That's September 15, right here in Madison. It's going to be really fun. But yeah, just check out BIPOCBirdingClub.org, go to our events tab, sign up for our newsletter. That's a great way to stay in the know, but we always have at least one event in, M- in Madison and one event in Milwaukee every month, sometimes more, but at least those two.
0: Yeah. Well, Dex, thank you for giving us the good bird word.
1: You're welcome.
0: That's Dexter Patterson, co-founder of the BIPOC Birding Club of Wisconsin. You can follow along with his birding adventures on Instagram at wiscobirder, high recommendation. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Nature events while the weather's still good. Out at the terrace this Thursday, August 31st, comedian Charlie Behrens and author Dan Egan will host an expert panel, Shoreside, on the state of our lakes and phosphorus, the major culprit in those toxic blue-green algae blooms. That'll also be live streamed if you can't make it to the Memorial Union. And the Madison Public Library has a new naturalist in residence, Quantice Winters, Her work centers on helping black folks connect with nature and land-based healing. If you wanna learn more, you can take a walk with Qantas this Friday, September 1st at Troy Community Gardens on the north side. We'll toss a link in our show notes for info on both of those events. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with someone who gives a hoot about conservation. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then.